This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This NFL season, FanDuel has more ways to win than ever before. New Beat the Score contests pay out everyone who hits a certain score. And no more worrying about how other players are doing. Just hit the score and win. Also new for this NFL season, FanDuel's got the biggest ever free NFL Survivor Contest. You pick one team every week. You make it through the season for a chance to win a quarter of a million dollars. New players, try FanDuel today and get a $20 bonus when you make your first deposit. Just sign up FanDuel.com slash CBS Sports. FanDuel.com slash CBS Sports. At any point, did you want to go up to him and say, the f*** is the matter with you, Cuddy? Why are you still throwing my way? You know what? I was just like, man, just come keep giving me the ball. Yeah. Keep giving me opportunities, please. I mean, that's why when he threw that last one, like almost like a Hail Mary last-ditch effort, and I caught that one, I just threw my hands up in the air like, oh, thank you, God, because only a crazy person would keep throwing this ball to me. Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to the Jim Rohn Podcast. I hope everybody had an amazing Labor Day weekend. This is episode 49, and my guest is former NFLer D'Angelo Hall. 14 seasons in the league, three Pro Bowls, 43 interceptions. The only player in NFL history to make five house calls on pick sixes and five on scoop and scores. D'Angelo was an All-American at Virginia Tech. He owns the school record for return TDs. He was the eighth pick overall in the 2004 NFL Draft. And put more simply, D. Hall was a freaking baller. With the NFL kicking off on Thursday night, what better time then to chop it up with one of the greatest ball hawks of all time? We had a tremendous conversation about D'Angelo's incredible football life, and we got into the weeds about an NFL season that is finally kicking off on Thursday. Pod up, F49, with D'Angelo Hall is coming right at you right now. D'Angelo, man, it is so good to run you down. I've got to ask you how retirement is going, but but based on your wife's recent Instagram post, I may already know she's got this great picture of you in a Home Depot, and the caption reads, things you do when you're retired, go to Home Depot every single day, end of quote. So bring us up to date. What's it been like, and have you chased any of those trips to Home Depot with a Bed Bath & Beyond run? You know, my wife's always trying to run to Bed Bath & Beyond, but if she's trying to do that, we got to drive separate. I tell her that before we even leave the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I've been enjoying retired life, man. You know, it's kind of been like I've retired the last couple of years because I was always fighting injuries toward the end of my career. So it's not a huge adjustment, me being home all the time. Um, but, you know, I'm just enjoying being around my kids. They all play sports. Um, I'm helping out at my son's varsity football. You know, I have a couple business things going on as well. I'll be doing some TV um, and radio too. So, you know, I'm I'm trying to stay busy. You know, I miss being around the game, but I do not miss playing it, man. And it's a shame because I thought I would miss playing it, and I'm almost scared that I don't miss playing it. So, um, but I I mean, I feel good, man. I'm I'm I'm, I'm blessed. You know, that's great. That's really interesting. Do you miss Do you miss playing the game, or, I mean, do you not miss playing the game, or do you not miss preparing for the game? What is it that you don't miss? You know, I, I just think my body wore down so fast toward the end, I just physically couldn't do it. And so I miss competing. You know, I miss having that one-on-one challenge, talking trash to a receiver and knowing at the end of the day it's going to come down to me and him. And I feel like I've worked and prepared harder than him so you know I was I was up for that challenge and so um you know not being able to really do that and compete um it's you know it's tough because I'm a competitor you know I always want to compete I find myself even driving on the interstate and a car passes me and I'm like oh no you ain't passing me you know and 
you know, I got to kind of rein it back in. I'm like, hold up, man. I'm, you know, I can only go about eight or nine over the speed limit. Let me slow down a little bit. So, you know, those competitive juices always flow. Um, but, yeah, man, I don't miss going out there hitting people, man. Like, the dudes are getting too bigger, too, you know, too much bigger and stronger and faster. And, you know, concussions are real. I've been fortunate to not have to deal with, you know, with many of those over the course of my career. But, Man, I couldn't ma- you know, I couldn't imagine having to be put in that situation to pick. Um, you know, so I've been blessed and I'm a you know, knock on wood, take my blessings and run. There you go. All right, so when you retired, you talked about being the youngest player to get to thirty interceptions and the youngest to forty. I know how badly you want to get to fifty. Ever catch yourself thinking, Man, if I just had a couple of more cracks at Jay Cutler, I'd have both my fifty <laughs> and my gold jacket right now. Oh man, yes. Yes, you know, you've heard me kind of joking make that comment at uh, at my retirement press conference. Uh, it was improv, too, and someone asked me the question, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, had I, had I been in, in Green Bay or something and I got to see Jay Cutler twice a year, man, there's no doubt in my mind I'd be at 50. Um, but people don't know the background, Jim, about, you know, kind of me and Jay's uh, uh, semi-unofficial uh, uh, feud. You know, it, it, it dates back to my my only year in Oakland. Um, Jay was in Denver on, on, on a Mike Shanahan-led team. Uh, I was in Oakland. Lane Kiffin was, you know, was our head coach. Uh, Rob Bryan was our D coordinator. Um, and Eddie Royal, who's a Virginia Tech guy, great sure. friend of mine to this day. Uh, and we joke about it all the time. But they ran a lot of crossing routes. We were in man sometimes, zone sometimes. But after that game, you know, I could I could hear a lot of people, you know, in the media kind of feeling like I got toasted. And so I think Eddie, like I said, oh, Virginia Tech receiver, kid I grew up uh, or I watched grow up and, and, and play the game. So, you know, I was a fan of his and I knew how good he was, but he lit us up. But for some reason, I think Jay just feels like he lit me up. And so maybe I need to go back and watch the game because I've never watched it again. But so when we played him in Chicago, I know for a fact, Jay was like, oh, I killed him in Denver. I'm going to light him up. And oddly enough, it was all in the second half. The first half, I don't even remember many passes being completed at all on myself or the other corner. And then the second half, he just – I don't know, said I'm going to him every time, and every time he did, I somehow got my hands on the ball. So, um, But, you know, that rivalry goes back to that. And, you know, whether Jay admits it or not, I remember the comments he made after that Denver-Oakland game, and I thought, oh, I can't wait to see this dude again. And, you know, oddly enough, I got to see him when he was in Chicago and I was in Washington. And, you know, he probably don't know this, but he, he definitely motivated me to get up for that game. Man, that's such a great story. I love that background. That is so great. And the fact is, you got him four times in 2010, including that game-winning pick six. I mean, D'Angelo, what do you remember then about that day? Did it feel, I mean, I know you were motivated, even more so than normal, but did that entire game feel like it was in slow motion? I mean, four picks and a pick six. You know what? The first half of the game kind of went so monotonous. We gave up plays um you know, on, on, on offense, you know, as far as them making plays, we made some plays. Um, but it was a little bit of a back-and-forth uh, game. You would think with exceptions the game would be out of hand, right? But it wasn't. We still only won that game like 16-14 or something like that. So, I mean, it was still a close, a close football game. That's what made each one of those interceptions mean that much more because we needed each and every one. We needed that touchdown when I, you know, when I ran it back. Um, we needed Albert Hainsworth's goal line stance against them where he knocks the ball out and they fumble. Um, so, you know, we needed every single play in that game. And they had guys on their team that made plays too. Um, I can remember a couple defensive touchdowns in that game, not just myself. Um, so, you know, that was just a game we felt like we needed to win going into that place. And that's a historic uh, stadium in itself. Um, you know, that was definitely, you know, one that I wanted – um, you know, to leave having having left a mark on that field um, because that's hollow ground when it comes to football stadiums. That's hollow ground. It was personal. You guys win that game by a field goal. One last thought. I mean, you're in the moment and you're competing, but at any point did you want to go up to him and say, 
the fuck is the matter with you, Cuddy? Why are you still throwing my way? You know what? I, I, I didn't. It was never a point. I almost felt like like Kobe when he scored the 81. I was just like, man, just come keep giving me the ball. Keep, yeah. Keep giving me opportunities. Please. Please keep, you know, keep them coming. That's why when he threw that last one, like, almost like a Hail Mary last-ditch effort, and I caught that one, I just threw my hands up in the air like, oh, thank you, God, because <laughs> – only a crazy person would keep throwing this ball to me, but I, you know, I appreciate. It. I had my mom in the stands. I literally gave her every ball, Jim, after I picked it. That's and great. So she, she she was up there in the stands with four balls at the end of the day. <laughs> that is absolutely the best. You know, it's a, it brings me to this point. I mean, you were a guy who was always around the ball. So let me ask you this: Can you teach someone to be a ball hawk, or is it more of a knack? Like either you have it or you don't. You know, it's a little bit of both, Jim. I mean, you can teach someone to kind of be instinctive as far as when to look for the ball. You know, when you're tackling guys, I was always a guy that I never really tackled the guy. I wanted to try to tackle the football. And it sounds kind of crazy when you say it, but if you watch some of the tackles I've had over the course of my career, I mean, it dates back to high school, Jim, with me forming a guy up, textbook tackle, head across, and me going and wrap him up with filling the ball. And I'm like, I ain't tackling you. And I just t- start turning and ripping that ball. And I've, I mean, I've gotten it out in high school, in college, in, in, the, in the NFL. It won me the Pro Bowl MVP in the, uh, you know, in a Pro Bowl. I got it from Wes Welker, the same kind of way where somebody just holds him up. And, I mean, I've always kind of approached it that way. And even these look, look, Little kids I'm coaching at my son's school, I'm trying to teach them to rip the ball out. Like, hey, look, don't just tackle a guy to tackle him. If you can get that ball, let's get that ball. That's what we play defense for. Not to tackle guys, it's to get the ball. So this is the way you've always played coming up. You know, when I think about when you came up too, D'Angelo, you had this great career at Virginia Tech, and then you come out in the draft, and you were taken eighth overall in 2004 by the Falcons. Leading up to the draft, and I mean, the draft is so inexact, you never know, but leading up to the draft, had the Falcons given you any indication that you were their guy? Oh, zero. Zero. Zero, Jim. Zero. I didn't meet with the Falcons at the Combine. I was an underclassman, so I obviously didn't see him at the Senior Bowl or anything. I, I didn't take a visit to Atlanta. Um, I took an indi- indirect visit to Atlanta just to hang out with Michael Vick. Um, he had brought me down, um, you know, just to kind of hang out with me. But never once did we go to the facility. I, You know, we just kind of went to dinner and, you know, kind of hung out at his house. And so... Um, I had no inclination. I had never met Jim Moore, and you know, little did I know we would hit it off. Great man. I still still call Jim a friend to this day. So you have no idea, and they end up taking you. What about Mike? Obviously, D'Angelo. Like you knew Mike. You went back with Mike. Mike went to Virginia Tech. Man, when Mike when Mike just exploded onto the scene, and he was Jordan in cleats, and he was doing things that nobody had ever seen from that position before. As a defensive player, what did you think when you saw him? Well, when I when I when I joined the Falcons, I was just thinking, thank goodness I don't have to tackle him, you know, right. I don't have to go against him, um, you know, because Mike Mike back then, you know, the NFL was a lot different as far as style of play, you know, it wasn't a lot of three, four, five wide receiver sets and throwing the ball all over the yard. It was pretty much smash mouth football, you know. It was two receivers on the field. Yeah, they might bring three receivers in on third down. You know, if it's a long down the distance, but I mean, it was smash mouth ball, and and so guys were a lot bigger and stronger and not as athletic. And so for Mike, it was such an advantage for him to be as elusive as he was and fast as he was. Um, D linemen and linebackers didn't stand a chance. I mean, very few corners could even run with Mike, and so. You know, he was able to exploit defenses to the point that I remember guys in our division specifically drafting defensive players to try to stop Michael Vick. Um, You know, and that's how Peppers, Julius Peppers, got in Carolina. It was like, hey, look, we got to get the most athletic defensive end we can find. And so, you know, we never sat down during a game because we always wanted to see what Mike was doing. Mm. So, you know, I can remember never sitting down because we literally felt like we had the best show in the house. And we all would stand up and watch Mike work to the point that we would be exhausted when it was time for us to go on D 
from standing the whole time watching Mike work out. D'Angelo, has there ever been another guy that you went up against or played with that you felt that way about, that like, hey, man, I'm not going to take my seat. I don't want to miss something. Uh, you know, playing against Tom Brady, that same kind of effect, Aaron Rodgers, um, Brett Favre. You know, I can remember, you know, my first time seeing Brett play, um, you know, never sitting down, you know, because he was just that good. You wanted to see everything he did, the greatest show on turf. When the Rams were kind of ending their run, uh, we got a chance to play him. And I can remember Marshall Falk cussing me out because I cut cut him and hit his legs low, and he was he did not like that. Hey, Rook, I mean, we joke about that to this day. You know, when I did NFL Network a couple of times and I got a chance to see See Marshall, uh, you know, he would still be joking about that to this day. And so, you know, it's been a lot. You know, I've been fortunate enough to play against a lot of a lot of great players, a lot of Hall of Famers. Um, Randy Moss was another guy. Um, you know, <laughs> heck, he was one of the only receivers that kept me up at night. And, I mean, I played against all of them. And Randy, it was just a combination of size and speed. You know, if I was on on his team, it, it was no way I would have sat down because I knew Randy was going to give me some kind of highlight play. As a defender, you was always on your P's and Q's because you never – I mean, you didn't want to get caught slipping because you knew Randy could put you on a poster, man, and it could be in millions of homes. You know what I mean? So you were always nervous about that factor when it came to playing against a guy like Randy Moss as well. Dude, you've got stories for days. You've got so many good stories. More with D'Angelo Hall right after this word from my pals at Bespoke Post. There are a few perks that come along with hosting a podcast, but one of my favorites ever is getting hooked up with a box of awesome from Bespoke Post every single month. These guys are upgrading my style, my look, my life, where I live, one box at a time. It's kind of like a present from myself to myself once a month, and now you too can experience it at boxofawesome.com boxofawesome.com. Whether you're in search of the perfect drink, a well-kept pad, or jet-setting in style, Bespoke Post helps you get there, improving your life one box at a time every single month. On the first of each month, you'll receive an email with your box details. Then you've got five days to change colors and sizes or add extra goods to your box. If you're not feeling that month's box, no problem. Simply skip it. You want to move on this. It's awesome. To receive 20% off your first subscription box, go to box boxofawesome.com and enter the promo code Rome at checkout. Boxofawesome.com, promo code Rome for 20% off that first box. Bespoke post. Theme boxes for guys that give a damn. You know, the thing about you going to the Falcons, what would have made sense, D'Angelo, was the Redskins. I mean, that was a natural fit because you bought at Virginia Tech. And unlike the Falcons, they did bring you in and you had a pre-draft dinner with, among others, Sean Taylor, Kellen Winslow, Jonathan Vilma, DJ Williams. I mean, Kane's all around the table, but that's a lot of juice and a lot of personality at one table. What do you remember about that meal? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can remember that very vividly. And, you know, I really thought I had a chance to go to Washington because, you know, if people remember that was right after um, they traded Champ Bailey to Denver for Clinton Portis, the running back. And so they had their running back that Joe Gibbs wanted, and now it was like, oh, man, I'm thinking I'm going to Washington to replace, you know, replace Champ Bailey. Mm. And, um, you know, they bring us all in. You know, you mentioned the guys, Sean Taylor, Kellen Winslow, DJ uh, Williams, Jonathan Vilma, and myself. So I'm surrounded by all these Hurricanes. <laughs> and, you know, we had just beat them pretty good that season. And I took a ball from Roscoe. Um, as a, you know, he was a receiver, and I just went to tackle him, stripped it, ran it in for a touchdown, and the stadium went crazy, and we proceeded to, to beat him down pretty bad. And so, you know, I was trying to let those guys know. We proceeded to talk about our careers and who won games and who made plays. And, you know, obviously guys from the U have a certain stigma and bravado. And so I just wanted those guys to know, and look, man, I'm not a dude who was stuck and, 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 and had to go to Virginia Tech. I had offers from Miami. I had offers from Florida State. I chose to go to Virginia Tech because I wanted to make my home state team uh, as strong as possible, and I wanted to prove that Virginia had some of the best athletes in the world. And, you know, we proceeded to just keep going back and forth, back and forth. But, uh, 
you know, Washington ended up drafting Sean Taylor, and, you know, I think he was the best defensive player in the draft. And so they got them a stud. I ended up in Washington and then Oakland and then indirectly somehow got to Washington. So, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. But, yeah, man, that dinner was was very eventful with all the Miami Hurricanes. Oh, man, that must have been so great. I would have loved to have been there. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Sean Taylor because I want to say to this day, the man is revered among those who played with him, those who played against him. What did you think about Sean Taylor, and what? why is it to this day he commands the kind of respect from people in NFL circles that he does? Well, well, you know, it's, it's, it's the way Sean played the game. I think anybody who was ever around Sean um, or competed against him knew how hard he played the game of football and how much it meant to him. Um, I got a chance to see that firsthand going up against him for three years at Tech while he was at Miami. You know, we competed hard, whether it was me returning punts and him trying to tackle me. I can remember uh, my sophomore year, him trying to tackle me on a punt return and me pushing him away or doing something and, and, and getting a penalty. Um, but Sean just played the game so hard, physical. You know, you didn't see guys who were that big and and, and, and long and strong and fast and had ball skills um, like him. So, you know, he was who every kid wanted to be like that played the safety position. And, you know, I, I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about another uh, story. Another story about Sean was, um, you know, at the Pro Bowl, I think, in 2006. It was my second Pro Bowl, and we ended up, um, Sean originally didn't make the Pro Bowl roster. Um, he should have made it. I mean, he was hands down one of the best safeties in the league that year. Um, but a lot of the older guys had made it through the voting process. And so somebody ended up getting hurt midweek. So we called Sean on like a Thursday or Friday to get him there by, you know, by game time Sunday. And Sean was running around practicing. I'm, you know, Sean, man, this is, this is walkthrough. And he was just full speed. He had cleats on. Everybody else had tennis shoes on, relaxing. And Sean just did everything full speed, full speed. And, you know, we said, man, Sean's going Sean's gonna to hit somebody in this game. Like, you know, I don't plan on hitting nobody, but I know Sean's going to hit somebody. And lo and behold, it's, it's the punter. The punter's running down, happy-go-lucky, and Sean just knocks him out of his damn shoes, man. And we all were like, bruh, that is Sean Taylor through and through. He doesn't care who it is. He's going hard, and that was just the way he played the game. And, you know, I think a lot of young kids saw the way he played it, played the game, and, you know, they still revere him to this day because of how hard he played the game and just how he was able to make some of the plays he made. D'Angelo, was that not – that was Brian Mormon, the punter. Was that not the greatest holy shit moment of the history of the Pro Bowl? It's like, oh, my, oh my God, was- look what he just did to the punter. That was like a man playing with high school kids. You know what I mean? Like the mascot you see at the halftime shows running over the little kids playing football. That's what Sean looked like, a grown man. <laughs> that was an amazing moment. D'Angelo, so you mentioned the Raiders. I, what a weird deal, right? You go to Oakland, you sign this enormous contract, but we're only there for eight games before they released you. I mean, in a nutshell, what happened? Why did that not work out, and what was that time like? You know what, man? That time was uh, was a learning experience for me. You know, it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about um, the business of football. Um, you know, after leaving Atlanta, you know, me and the new management kind of didn't agree on certain things. You know, I was promised a new contract. I had outplayed my old contract, my rookie contract. And so I was looking to get, get an extension. And they had promised me an extension. And then when it came time to do that extension – they kind of started backpedaling. And then I found out they were trying to shop me at the, you know, at the combine. And that's one thing about me. If you know me, you know, if you respect me and treat me fair, I'll run through a brick wall for you, Jim. There's nothing I won't do for you. But if I feel like you wronged me, well, that's it. I'm done with you. You know, especially the game of football where I'm, you know, throwing my body around, um, you know, every single play I'm out there. And so, um, you know, once I did that, it was kind of like I have to get out of uh, Atlanta. And so after working a couple deals out and, and all of them falling through, um, Al Davis came calling. 
And Al Davis was very intriguing. You know, me being a historian of the game of football, you know, he was a guy I've always looked up to and liked the way the Raiders played. And they were always, um, they always had the fastest guys um, on the field. And I felt like, man, I want to be a part of that club, that team. And, you know, when we did the deal, you know, we kind of knew it looked like a one-year deal. But Al was like, man, there's no way I'm going to cut you. I just, you know, gave up two draft picks for you. I'm not going to cut you. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I you know, I can live with that, even if they do cut me worst case. I you know, I can live with it. And um I remember Al just calling me middle of the season and saying, Hey, you know, D'Angelo, we need to redo your contract and I'm like, you know, why Mr. Davis? Like, I ain't even got a big hunk of my bonus which I was supposed to get next year. And he was just telling me, Well, we're 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 not as good of a football team as I thought we were gonna be and that was the off season he had uh, signed me in free agency. He had franchised Namdi Osmoah, the other corner. He had uh, paid Jabril Wilson, the safety from the Giants. He paid Javon Walker, who uh, couldn't even run routes yet, wasn't even healthy. I think he paid uh, Tommy Kelly, a D-tackle. I think Ethnic Sands, another D-tackle. Um, and so he had paid a lot of guys that offseason, and you know, I don't know if it was because I was the last one to get in there, I was the first one to go, or if I had the biggest contract, so he wanted to move that. But, I mean, he basically told me we're not, you know, as good a team as I thought we were going to be. I, I need some of, some of that money back. And I was like, Mr. Davis, I'll redo something after next year, but, like, a big chunk of my money do the following year. Like, I, I got eight in year one, and I was supposed to get – 18 in year two. Right. And so it was no way I was going to redo that deal. And so, you know, we ended that, you know, that call that day. And then, you know, a couple of days later, he told me, you know, he was going to release me. And, you know, it rubbed me the wrong way because that was never said in, in, in public, you know. And, you know, the, Lane was, was the coach at the time. I think Lane had got fired before I was released. And I think Tom Cable took over. And I knew Tom from Atlanta because he was our offensive line coach in Atlanta. And so, you know, he kind of, you know, told me, you know, kind of what to expect moving forward in the organization and, you know, to have your support. I'm like, absolutely, you know, Coach, I, you know, I like you, you know, you know. And so I thought we had a pretty good relationship and rapport and then I saw him kind of going on TV after I was released, making it like I was the best player on the planet and that I couldn't play corner. And so, you know, that left a bad taste in my mouth. And that's when I got cut that I could just go and just play ball. And that's kind of how I ended up in Washington because it was a place I could just go play ball. They let me just go man up. I proved that I could still play. And, you know, I signed a – Signed a five-year contract after the season with uh, with Washington. I got to tell you, man, your recall of that stuff is absolutely amazing. I mean, you were right about all of that. And the fact was Lane Kiffin was broken off a month earlier. Tom Cable comes in. Jamarcus Russell started 15 games. I mean, I guess I could say, D'Angelo, that business is business. Or I could say that from afar, looking at that, it seemed like a crazy shit show. It was. It was. And so, you know, it it it. it it, it taught me to grow up a lot faster than I probably should have. Um, but it, it, it got me back on the grind, too. You know, Jim, it, yeah. it, it got me back focused, back locked in. Ain't nothing like being released, um, you know, to get you back focused. And that's why, you know, I was so ready to see where Dez Bryant ended up because when, once you get cut, that does something to you. It motivates you like nothing else. And so – I knew he was going to come this season and, and, and play his butt off because because Dallas cut him, because I've been in that situation. I know how that feels. And so um, I'm sorry I'm jumping around. but No, no, I like that. I like that. That's good. So what do you, D'Angelo, what do you, I mean, that's a great point you made. I mean, you know what it feels like, and it got you back on your grind, and you're owning this outright. You're owning this. What about Dez? How do you think that is impacting him, if you had to guess? And why do you think he hasn't signed yet? You know, I think he hasn't signed yet now just because, you know, teams are teams are pretty much put together. You know, their teams aren't willing to offer him anything right now. Um, you know, I think there's definitely made a mistake when Baltimore came knocking. I think he should have went ahead and took that took that deal. 
Um, you know, but I can I, I can see Dez being a kid from Texas, playing college ball in Texas, playing for the Cowboys, and just how big of a of a of a of a uh, star he has personally, uh, or should I say, how, how big his celebrity status is personally. He probably felt like Baltimore was beneath him. Oh, it wasn't enough good restaurants or this or that. Who knows what went into his decision to not take that contract. But you see now, like, no one's knocking at his door, you know. It's, it's kind of how T.O. and even Chad Johnson were ran out the league premature. I think those guys absolutely could have still played football. But I think the distraction and the personality of them was 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 more than what teams felt like the reward of having them on their roster would be. And so I kind of see into those same um, similarities. But, you know, what's crazy is guys well-respected in the industry like Tony Romo, like Jason Witten, um, and they've had nothing but great things to say about Dez. Like, yeah, he gets fiery, but it's the kind of fiery guy you want on your team and in your locker room. Like, if he was really that bad to be around, like McNabb had came out and said him and T.O. didn't get along. You know what I mean? Like, McNabb wasn't hiding it or sugarcoating it for T.O. Um, and so I, I just don't see um, how a guy who gets those kind of ringing endorsements from from proven veteran Hall of Fame-type guys and Jason Witten and Tony can't seem to 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 get a job, man. It's 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 very weird, but, you know, me and some of my buddies was talking, man. It's kind of how the NFL is, man. The NFL can can choose to promote who they who they feel they want, or they can choose to not promote who they feel or who they want. Um, and so, you know, it's such a it's such a a fine line between that fifty third guy who makes the team, or even those bottom ten guys. Versus the you know the guys you cut that you can really swap those guys out and it was just luck of the draw who got to stay on and who didn't um, and so you know I think I think you know Dallas just felt like you know the distraction and the pay for 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 Dez wasn't equal to the value and and they ran them out of there and I think other teams are kind of starting to see well you know maybe they're kind of right but maybe you know we'll pay them. You know, a million or two, but then Dez probably is like, nah, that, that's not enough for me, you know. And so, it, it, you know, he has to figure out if he wants to just play football and prove people wrong and earn a contract or if he thinks he's going to get paid right now. And I think they, they've shown him they're not going to pay him right now. So he's going to have to come in for, for the minimum when someone gets hurt, and he's just going to have to work and grind. Yeah, I wonder about that, D'Angelo. If he, if seven million per year reportedly with Baltimore was not enough, I wonder about him coming in for one or two and have to grind. But we'll yeah. see, right? Yeah, yeah, me too. Because you know, you say seven million wasn't enough. I'm thinking like this: What do you think you're getting? Right, like ten right. to twelve. Yeah, seven is right on on par with with what we think you can do. Exactly, and but apparently he thought not. It was not enough. You know, when you talk about D'Angelo. Before you go, when you talk about, I mean, your love for the game and your love for the individual battles and your love to compete and prepare, you know, I see a guy playing the game right now and I kind of think the same thing about him, and I'm talking about Jalen Ramsey. Now, he's made all sorts of headlines this preseason. Personally, for the record, I love this guy. I love what he's about. I love the way he works. I love his swagger. What do you think about him and his game, and do you like what you see and hear from him in the media? I mean, Jalen's... <laughs> Jalen's who Deion Sanders would have been if social media was as 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 prevalent back then as it is now, man. Jalen talks a good talk, and he backs it up. At the end of the day, we wouldn't be talking about Jalen Ramsey if he couldn't play ball, you know? He'd just be enough. Oh, man, that dude's just talking. He trash. But Jalen Ramsey actually goes out and does some of the things he tells you he's going to do as a DB. And a guy who trash talk, like, I love it. I love watching this dude tell receivers, man, you bum, you only good because you in that system and, and you ain't really that good. Like, because a lot of us on defense and a lot of us in the league, sometimes we feel that way. You know what I mean? Some guys are products of their system. Some guys are products of the scheme. Right. Um, and, 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 and he's pointing the 
flashlight and saying, hey, look, dude, like, yeah, you making plays, but, man, we can essentially put anybody in that situation and they can make the same play. Um, and so, man, I love watching Jalen Ramsey play. When I first saw him in college, I didn't quite know if he could play corner in the league. I was, I was a little nervous. But watching him and watching the way he moves and competes and studies the game, I mean, that dude, he's the best corner in the game right now, hands down, bar none. And Pat Peterson going to not like me for saying that, but, I mean, that's my opinion. That's the way I feel. Pat's done it longer, um, improving the Champ Bailey effect that he can actually sustain excellence over a long period of time. But Jalen's coming on like 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 Revis did, man. Where it's Revis Island, it's 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 uh it's Jalen Ramsey's island right now, and he's proven he's one of the best shutdown uh, corners in the league. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned P two. I talked to him earlier today, and that, that's a guy with seven Pro Bowls in seven years, and he does it the right way. But I, I think I see where you're going with that. So yeah, you- I mean, he's following Chad Bailey's formula. I mean, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, the same way Champ Bailey will be. And, you know, we're talking about Revis possibly being a Hall of Famer. Um, But I think Jalen's, you know, he's right. He's teetering on that, too. He has to do it for a lot longer. Um, I think Revis played, what, 9, 12 years, 10, 9, 10, 11, something like that. Um, And so, you know, Revis had the play but didn't necessarily have numbers. And so, you know, when you become a really good corner, it's hard to get those numbers because teams just stop throwing the ball your way. Um, And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how teams approach, you know, Jalen. Will they stop throwing his way like they were doing with Sherman at one point to take him out the game? Um, You know, or or will he still find a way to get, you know, to get the ball? So, um, you know, because if you shut down a receiver, that's all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, you know, Hall of Fame voters, they're going to want to know how many interceptions you got. They're going to want to know how many plays did you make. Because, you know, the best corner in the league is not going to finish this, you know, finish his career with nine, you know, 15, 20 interceptions. They're going to want to see those numbers up there. Plenty more with D'Angelo after this message from my buddies at Buffalo Wild Wings. There is no better place to watch football than at Buffalo Wild Wings. So, if you love football, yelling at TV screens with friends and wearing clothing with somebody else's name on it, then there is a seat waiting for you at Buffalo Wild Wings. You will not miss a single game this season on the wall-to-wall TVs. Come in for the football food and football beverages on their new $5 game day menu. $5.38 ounce pitchers of Bud Light, Coors Light, or Miller Light. $5 craft in imports Tallest, including Blue Moon Belgian White and Sam Adams Boston Lager. $5 cheeseburger and fries. $5 brat and fries and $5 select cocktails. And do not forget their traditional and boneless wings with 21 signature sauces and seasonings. Escape to football and the new $5 game day menu at Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, and football. When football is on, you have to be at Buffalo Wild Wings. Prices and participation may vary, subject to restrictions, limited time only. Not valid with any other offer. Drink responsibly. I want to ask you about the Hall of Fame, but you mentioned Richard Sherman. When you talk about having that chip on your shoulder or that that thing that kind of refocuses you and you have that grind, what about Sherm? I mean, this dude is so fierce, so fierce, and especially so proud. Coming off the injury that he is and going to San Francisco, how do you think Sherm's going to do there? You know what, Jim? I don't know the exact defense uh, San Fran runs. Um, I'm a Kyle Shanahan fan. You know, I was able to chop it up with him at the combine. I root for him. Um, I think that team's going to be good. When I saw Sherman was going out there, I was excited for him um, because I tore Achilles as well. Um, You know, and so I know how tough that can be. But I also know, you know, it can be done. I did it. I tore mine twice. And so Sherman doesn't have to deal with, with, with tearing it twice. Um, and I think he'll be okay. Sherm, Sherm's smart enough to know what he's good at. He's not going to put himself in a situation um, that he won't succeed in. And so whether that's playing a coverage at eight and a half yards instead of seven or nine, you know what I mean, whether that's press bailing a, a specific look, he's going to make sure he's in the, the, the best possible position 
to make plays and succeed. That's that's what makes him great as well. It, he's not just going out there playing. We, you know, we call it: Are you playing ball or are you working ball? Like he's not working while he's out there. He's put all that work in during the week in the film room to where he can go out there and just play football, relaxed, and make plays. And so, I'm not as worried about Sherm making plays. He'll be all right. He's a he's a heck of a playmaker. Um, and so, you know, for him. It's the it's the mental hurdle of of that injury and and just feeling like himself. And I haven't spoken with him um, since he started the rehab process. I kind of reached out to him when he tore it. Um, you know, wished him a speedy recovery and things like that. And you know, we chopped it up before the Seattle game last year. We got to hug it out and kind of you know talk a little bit. And so I'm a I'm 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 an absolute fan of, of Richard Sherman. I think where where we went wrong, I just stated the fact that, you know, he plays more cover three. I lock up, you know what I mean, which is two different styles. Like, I feel like I can go on his defense and succeed. I don't think he can come to my defense and succeed because we're we're asking the guys to do a little bit different things than what he excels at. And so, you know, us being young firecrackers we obviously didn't have that kind of conversation but you know we've since had that kind of conversation and 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 it's not a problem at all between us i get that i mean game respects game and you two guys are both going to say what you're going to say and you're going to say it to each other's face and that's how it is but d'angelo to be one of the best to be a full lockdown guy don't you have to travel don't you have to move around the field i mean i think you have to because if your ultimate responsibility is to match up well, it's to stop a you know a great receiver. If that team moves him around, you have to move around with him to stop him. Um, I always felt like I had to because I always took the role of big brother. I never wanted my other corner to have to do that because they all knew I was the dude, and since we all know I'm the dude, all right, I'm not going to let my little brother fight the big brother from from around the block, right? No, sir. I got him. You cool, little bro. You you know you hang back, and that's why I travel because I always had that feeling as though I was the big brother, and I wanted Calvin Johnson. I wanted Marvin Harrison. I wanted Tory Holt. I wanted you know T.O. I wanted all these guys because I didn't want my young pup to have to deal with them. I never played opposite like a veteran corner that was older than me. So I've always felt like big brother, and I've, you know, I've always traveled because of that. I felt like I'm going to hold it down for us. I got it. And I know you wanted Chad Johnson, or you would not have shaved I own 85 into your head oh, before yeah. going up against him. What were those battles like? You got to tell me that before you go. Man, those were vintage battles, man, because me and Chad, we, we, we got it. We understood that we could talk trash to each other like we were – at, at a roast in the media. And we knew when the game started, we're going to go at it as hard as we can like brothers. But at the end of the day, it, it's all love. Like, it, it was still all good. None of the battles ever got personal, ever got to that point where we wanted to ever fight. Um, it was just friendly banter back and forth, man. And, I mean, it was it was fun. You know what I mean? It was like playing with, 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 with your homeboys, man. You out there talking trash, lining up, ready to go, but nothing was personal, man. And so, you know, those were some of the best times I've had I've had on the football field was going against Chad. D'Angelo, seriously, this is one of my favorite podcasts ever. I mean, I've had so much fun talking to you. I got to know, so where do you go? I mean, when you and I have talked in the past, I've always said, I know you could go into broadcasting, you could do a podcast, you could do a talk show, you could sit in a studio, you could do this all day long. You are so good at this and so anecdotal. Is that enough, or do you want to end up in a front office somewhere? Where do you go from here? Because you're a young guy with a lot still ahead. Yeah, um, you know, I'm enjoying doing doing the TV stuff, you know, hopping on some radio here and there. But, yeah, I think ultimately the end play is to, you know, uh, be a GM. You know, I, because I've never won a championship as a player, I think that next step is either as a coach or as a, uh, as a front office exec helping put a team together. Um, I personally don't want to coach. And so, you know, I think putting together teams because, I mean, I think – so much outside the box when it comes to, 
to players and who to draft and why am I drafting this guy and, you know, putting them in the situation to succeed. Because I've seen so many guys not put in the situation to succeed that can really play. And I just feel so bad for guys that I, I want to see guys succeed. And so, you know, I definitely want to uh, – want to do something in the front office uh, when it's all said and done. I mean, do you see a path to it? Like, do you see John Lynch? I mean, he was cl- obviously closely aligned with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, how do you go about setting, putting yourself in a position to get that opportunity? Do you even know? Um, I mean, you just keep doing, you know, you keep doing what you're doing for me. And that's, you know, that's doing, doing radio shows, you know, getting on TV, showing, showing some of these people how smart I am, how, how well I understand football. Um, that I, you know, that I wasn't just a guy who ran down and could hit people hard or run fast or intercept the ball. That that it actually takes, you know, the mind and understanding to play chess with opponents and not checkers. Um, in a sense, you know, I've I've, I've 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 said it all along, man, and I say it when I talk to kids. You know, if you're trying to play football or or any sport because you think you don't have to go to school, you're tripping. Like we do more school. Um, you know, watching film and in the film room and in the classroom than we ever spend the time practicing or running around on a football field. And so, you know, you got to train your mind just as much as you got to train your your arms and your legs and your hamstrings. And so, you know, I, I just want to show people that I know football, I understand football, and I know how to put together, you know, a winning football team or what I perceive a winning football team should look like. I knew this already, but I know a lot of people listening are going to find out for themselves. My man, that that was so much fun. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. I'm not just saying that. I'm going to tell you why I appreciate that. Because, again, dude, you are so locked in and so focused and so anecdotal, and I know you love talking ball, but not everybody will show up and be as, as in the moment as you are. And every time you and I talk, you are like that. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate that and how much I appreciate you for taking that kind of time, D'Angelo. Uh, no problem, Jim. Man, I respect you so much, man, from – from the days of, of back in the day when I used to come out to L.A. and do your show. So I just appreciate the love you show me. And, man, how, how great you are at your job, too, man. I'm a fan of yours. Building professionals, you want to check this out. Listen, if you're a contractor, a builder, or a remodeler, Lumber Liquidators Pro Plus is the only partner you are ever going to need for all your flooring needs. With special pro-only pricing and dedicated support, LL Pro Plus will help you get your flooring jobs done quickly and profitably. Are you worried about selection and availability? Don't be. Lumber Liquidators has over 150 million square feet of flooring available with over 100,000 square feet in stock in most of their stores. And they stock professional grade adhesives, underlayment, molding, tools, fasteners, and grout so you get what you need when you need it most. Maybe you're too busy to pick up your flooring. Not a problem. The LL Pro Plus team will simply deliver it right to your job. And with LL Pro Plus, you can even get a business line of credit. So put the LL Pro Plus flooring experts on your team today. Visit your local Lumber Liquidator store or go to LumberLiquidators.com slash ProSales today. Let me say it again. That was an awesome conversation. A huge shout out to D'Angelo Hall for all of his time and for that conversation. As always, I'm looking for your feedback and especially after that one. Hit me up on Twitter and tag up D'Angelo as well. If Twitter's not your thing, I'll take your thoughts on the voicemail. That number, if you don't have it already, is 949-385-0447. It puts you right into my telephone. Speaking of those voicemails, let me roll that tape in just one second. But first, I want to say that this podcast is now over a year old. And next week is the 50th episode. If you're new here, you have to get subscribed so you don't miss a conversation. Because I've been putting in the work and loading this side hustle up with stacks and stacks of great episodes. If you're already subscribed, thank you so much. And if you don't mind, could you go put this on somebody's phone who you think may need it? That would be huge. Subscribe, review, and share. Those are the big three in the podcast game. All right, that's it for all the business. Now it's time to party. The party I want nothing to do with that is, here are your voicemails. Enjoy this. See you next week. First new message. Hey, Rome. Uh, I just want to let you know uh, this is a clone. Dave in Glendale. I'm on the streets. Uh, 
Uh, I got cockroaches all over me. I'm trying really hard to find a job, but I'm, I, I'm an absolute bum. And uh, I just want to let the other clones know that being a bum is okay. Like, Rome, what you give me, and I love you, Rome. And uh, if you can help me out with anything, Rome, get rid of Hawk. Just he was a bum who has no college education. Thanks, Rome. Message deleted. Next message. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear podcast. Happy birthday to you. Thank you for the one year of excellence. Message deleted. Next message. Justin in Melbourne. Listen, man, congratulations on the podcast turning a year old. I'm going to tell you, I've never missed a podcast, but I've got four in the queue right now. Not the humble brag, but next week I'm going to Sicily. So I get about six hours worth of entertainment as I'm drinking my vino going across the pond. Message saved. Next message. This is Will the Thrill calling from Long Beach. And, uh... Message deleted. Next message. My God. I'm seeing Matt from Los Angeles, California. Did this dude just get out of prison? My God. Get him off the air. What a loser. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim, this is Mike from the 574. Uh, there's five minutes left of the Notre Dame game. Cal from Vegas is uh, in the stands rooting for Michigan. They're getting the asses beat. He can rip beards off of anybody else but the leprechaun. Tell him to go the fuck home. Peace. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, it's Luke in Fort Collins. You know, I love any opportunity to criticize the Raiders here, but uh, they're actually pretty smart with this Khalil Mack trade. It's the Bears that I think made a bad move. No player is worth two first-round draft picks. But, you know, I don't think Khalil Mack has any room to complain. He's got that $80 million guaranteed, and the Bears guaranteed he'll always have January and February off. Message saved. You have no more messages.